Well, have a seat. You can be turning to Proverbs chapter 1. Let me just say um, it is a joy to, uh, to be with you here at Southwood this morning. Um, my name is Pat Coyle. If I haven't met you before, I serve uh, primarily at the Anderson campus. I actually serve all of our staff as uh, HR pastor, pastor to our staff and uh, for missionary care and it's a great joy to serve in that role. I filled a number of roles through the years at Grace. I actually grew up at Grace Bible Church. Um, uh, it's been a, a joy and a pleasure to spend my life growing up here. Uh, my dad's here this morning. It's always great to be worshiping with him. And um, uh, graduated from A&M in 85, was 10 years in San Antonio, moved back in 96 with my wife, Jeannie. And we've, uh, all of our babies are St. Joseph babies. They've all grown up here, grown up in the Grace Bible Church uh, uh, family, and, and uh, those babies are now 18 and 16 and 13, and my oldest baby just got back from an impact camp yesterday. She's going to be a freshman, yep, be a freshman at A&M this year, so we, we, uh, we love this place. It's, it's a little humbling to uh, stand up and talk about parenting in the church body where your kids grew up, because many of you know my kids, and hopefully they haven't said or done things in, in the Sunday school classes or whatever, but you, you never know. It's, it's a humbling topic. It's a humbling topic in general as a parent because uh, we all feel so much need um, uh, in regard to the, the whole issue of parenting. Um, the, the, the title I chose for this is Parenting Wisdom, and I, I chose that uh, carefully uh, because um, uh, I have two meanings to that, if you think about it. Uh, parenting Wisdom, uh, Proverbs has wisdom for parenting. It provides wisdom for us for parenting. But if you look at parenting more as, a, as a, an action word there, I guess it'd be a participle. Uh, parenting wisdom, you know, parenting, a, a proactively parenting wisdom into our children. And, and that's kind of two facets of, of what Proverbs uh, presents to us. And so there's the sermon. Have a great week. Um, <laughs> God bless you. Off you go. No, there's a whole lot more to say, but that's, that's, that's two important facets of what Proverbs, uh, Proverbs presents to us. And so rather than diving immediately uh, into, um, into the Word, you know, we, we, we who preach, we like to, to you know, throw a little, little quotes and humor into things. And I thought it was interesting to see uh, what's out there uh, in our society about parenting and from different uh, perspectives, different facets. Everybody loves Raymond, right? Having children is like living in a frat house. Nobody sleeps, everything's broken, and there's lots of throwing up. Any parents can relate to that? Um, any former children can relate to that? Current children? I, I throw this one in. This is uh, from... Uh, Lamentations of a Father, Atlantic Monthly, a few years ago, um, written in the uh, kind of the biblical epic mode um, about uh, the, the lamentations of a father. Bite not, lest you be cast into time out. Neither drink of your own bathwater, nor of bathwater of any kind. Nor rub your feet on bread, even if it be in the package. Nor rub yourself against cars, nor against any building, nor eat sand. Oh, my children, you are so disobedient, for I, when I tell you that you must, uh, what you must do, you argue and dispute hotly, even to the littlest detail. And when I do not exceed, you cry out and hit and kick. Yes, and even sometimes you do spit and shout stupid head and other blasphemies and hit and kick the wall and molding thereof when you are sent to the corner. And although the law teaches that no one shall be sent to the corner for more minutes than he has years of age, yet I would leave you there all day, so mighty am I in my anger." 
So there's the, there's the humor of the topic, and, and there's a whole lot out there, believe me, in regard to the humor of parenting. But there's also the honor of the topic. This is C. Everett Koop, a former Surgeon General. Life affords no greater responsibility, no greater privilege than the raising of the next generation. That's what parenting is, raising the next generation, raising future leaders. It's such an important and, and honorable uh, calling. And then there's uh, the brevity of the job, a little bit of the bittersweet nature of parenting uh, kids don't stay with you if you do it right. It's the one job where the better you are, the more surely you won't be needed in the long run. Right, parents? Kind of the bittersweet aspect of it. And then I kind of like to end with this, the terror of the topic. Alvin Toffler, Future Shock. Parenting is the greatest single preserve of the amateur. Right, parents? We, we, we feel like we're an amateur from the day we start to the day we finish. Do you ever really finish parenting? Uh, there's, there is uh, just a great unknown there. And as, as you consider this handful of quotes, you know, there's, there's humor and there are hints of the, the helplessness that we feel and, and the importance of the topic, but, but, but really not the practicality and the specificity that we all wish for. We need, we need help and we need instruction. And another observation is, as I thought about these quotes is that all of them concerned parenting. And you know, pretty much everyone in this room, although not all of you are parents and you're coming from a lot of different stages of life, you all tuned in and you chuckled and you were kind of engaged in it because it's a, it's a topic of familiarity. And you know, in, this, in this room, there's parents and there's friends and relatives of the parents and, and caregivers and future parents and kids and former kids and Kids who should be growing up and getting on out of the house and parents would like you to hear that message. There's people from all facets of life and all facets of parenting who have some understanding of parenting because it's a universal topic and it has value to us regardless where we are. So as you heard the topic was parenting this morning, I I pray you'll stay tuned in and and you'll focus with us because uh, this is going to provide you opportunities uh, to encourage others even if you're not in the stages of parenting yourself. So let's jump in. Let's see what Proverbs has to say, and I want, to do that, I want to do a little review of, of what Proverbs is all about. So I had you turn to Proverbs chapter 1. Let's look there in verse 1 and read together. The Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel, to know wisdom and instruction, to discern the sayings of understanding, to receive instruction in wise behavior, righteousness, justice, and equity, to give prudence to the naive, to the youth, knowledge, and discretion. A wise man will hear and increase in learning. And a man of understanding will acquire wise counsel. To understand a proverb and a figure, the words of the wise and their riddles. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. And he goes on in verse 8, Hear, my son, your father's instruction. It begins one of those passages that there are several of in Proverbs where it's a a father or a parent speaking uh, to their child. So I want to begin, <clears throat> again, in the focus on parenting and Proverbs. What's the purpose of Proverbs? And in a word, some of you who've been here all summer, if you just know Proverbs well, what, what, in a word, what's Proverbs all about? Wisdom. And wisdom, we found out when we studied this passage at the beginning of the summer, if you were here, includes several things, and you see it in the passage that we just read, discernment and character and knowledge and skill. Wisdom indeed is, is knowledge applied skillfully, knowledge lived out skillfully in, in good living, in right living. Also in Proverbs and in this introduction, we see some characters that are present throughout Proverbs. And the, the main character is the wise, the one who has uh, listened to wisdom and applied it and is living wisely. But by contrast to the wise, there are the unwise characters. 
the naive youth, the mocker, and the fool. And the idea of wisdom in Proverbs is to not be one of those three, but to be, uh, to be the wise. Wisdom is intended to grow the youth and to correct the fool, hopefully, to correct the fool, to sober the mocker. Wisdom makes one wise. Wisdom makes one skillful in, in the process in living Another thing to remember about Proverbs is, is, is really important. It's, it's specifically seen in one of the most famous Proverbs on parenting, and that is Proverbs 22.6, train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. Now, something is important to remember about Proverbs as we study them, as we look at these, is these are uh, what are known as maxims or general truths. Proverbs and their, and their statements about wisdom are general truths and, and not promises, not guarantees and it's really important in your interpretation. Just, just in this verse alone, you see the, the, the idea that uh, you know, if you do right when you're training the child, there'll be no variation from, from the, uh, uh, the, the way of wisdom when, when they grow old. And sadly, uh, in my own life, in all these years I've spent at Gracie, I've seen uh, many stories where pa- parents have invested well and done well. And uh, children who grow up still make choices. And sometimes they choose wrong, and sometimes they stay there. So uh, the, the wisdom of Proverbs isn't a guarantee that uh, those who uh, you impart wisdom to are going to stick with it and going to, to make those right choices. But generally speaking, uh, the truth is that you'll invest in your child uh, when they're a child, that generally speaking, it's true that when they're old, they'll grow in wisdom, and they won't depart from the way of wisdom. So remember the idea of the generalities. So with a little tutorial on Proverbs in mind, we want to turn to uh, look at Proverbs handling of parenting, and I want to talk about parenting's purpose in Proverbs. But first, I want you to think about your own purpose in terms of parenting. I want you to think, be honest, give it a few moments thought, and hopefully, uh, many Christians, many Christ followers in this room, hopefully, uh, parents who are here, one of your first thoughts was, my, my goal for my children is to trust Christ, to know Him and be in relationship with Him. We're going to talk about the gospel in more detail in just a few minutes. But well done. If that's, if that's your first thought, uh, well done. For my child to be a Christian, important, uh, one of the most, one of the, I say, the two most important goals we can have for our children. But uh, perhaps you also thought of, or maybe even you first thought of things like um, education, well-being, uh, success in academics and sports. And if you thought some of those things, you're not alone. Many would say that you know, creating stability or the, the absence of difficulty or popularity for my child, creating that kind of an atmosphere, ch- creating an atmosphere they feel that their, their needs are met, their wants are met, are, are, are my goals for parenting. And some of you, even if you wouldn't say those things, uh, oftentimes we parent uh, with those things as our goals without even realizing we parent with uh, sports success primarily on our minds or academic success primarily on our minds, things that are not necessarily wrong. Uh, but I think overall, our society these days is working against uh, parenting the way that Proverbs would have us parent. And our society is directing us towards <clears throat> purposes that are off of the best, or even wrong purposes. The, the Duke of Windsor uh, visited um, the U.S. several years ago, and upon leaving, a reporter asked him, uh, what impressed you most about American culture? And his response was very telling. He said, I'm most impressed with the way American parents obey their children. Yeah, it took a minute, didn't it? (laughs) The way American parents obey their children. And that was his observation about our society because there's a pervasive influence in our society that says, you know, give your children what they want. Give your children what they think they need. Give them, them, you know, live for them, uh, parent for their needs and these kind of things. And I just want to say, watch out. 
Uh, don't be caught in that because I think there's a better way. There are certainly better goals uh, for our parents, although many of these things are not wrong. What does Proverbs have to say? I got ahead of myself. What does Proverbs have to say about parenting? Well, we see in Proverbs chapter 2, if you want to just turn a page over, you can look there. I have it on the screen for you. My son, if you will receive my words and treasure my commandments within you, make your ear attentive to wisdom and incline your heart to understanding. For if you cry for discernment and lift your voice for understanding, if you seek for her as for hidden treasures, then you will discern the fear of the Lord and discover the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom. What's Proverbs purpose for parenting, I think completely consistent with itself, Proverbs' goal is wisdom. And that wisdom is solidly grounded in knowing our Creator, in relationship with Him. In that passage from Proverbs chapter 2, you see the the attaining of wisdom and the relationship and the nature of of our relationship with God intertwined together uh, in that idea. Wisdom is solidly grounded in relationship with God. So I just want to say this morning as we begin this, uh, this journey into Proverbs, uh, many of you are parents. You're sitting here uh, thinking about your parenting. I want to encourage you, as I've done for the last three sermons, this is the fourth time that I presented this to parents at Grace Bible Church, let's lock arms together as parents, as encouragers of parents, caregivers, children who are here. Let's lock arms together and let's not look to the world's or our society's goals for parenting. Let's lock arms together and let's lock on to these words of wisdom. And let's decide that that's going to be our goal and our purpose for parenting and that we're going to work together from this point forward in parenting this generation to love the Lord and be wise in Him and to live wisely. Imagine the impact on our community. Imagine the impact on our world just from the, inf- uh, the, the influence on, on this generation of kids just represented in this local church body. Profound impact Uh, that we can have, dedicating ourselves together to walking down the path toward parenting wisdom. And I I chose the walking down the path or walking down the road because of our little slide graphic there. That's what we want to do. We want to embark on that journey with our kids, taking them down that way to wisdom. So if you'll join me in that, what we have to acknowledge is that there are roadblocks on the way to wisdom. There are some things that are working against us in our parenting. There are some, some things that are working against our children. The first of those is that every new model of the human being has a flaw. Every little model comes off the assembly line with a flaw. That beautiful little baby is placed in your arms and you think, oh, this is the most wonderful thing in the world. And very shortly, they begin to do things that are not the most wonderful thing in the world because the Bible teaches us that there's a thing in the human nature called sin. And it's a problem, toward, uh, a problem on the pathway to wisdom. It's a problem in our relationship with God. Genesis 8:21. for the intent of a man's heart is evil from his youth. There's a lot of really severe sounding statements in what Proverbs and and the other passages have to say on these topics. From from the book of Genesis on, the intent of a man's heart is evil from his youth. Jeremiah 17, the heart is more deceitful than all else and is desperately sick. Romans 3.23, many of you have stated that in sharing the gospel with somebody. All have sinned and fallen short short of the glory of God. In every human being from the time of our birth, there's a problem, there's a flaw, there's this sin nature that is working against us in all things spiritual. Not only that, 
The natural bent of the child because of this sin within them is toward foolishness. The natural bent of all of us is not towards being the wise character in Proverbs, but is, is a bent towards foolishness. Proverbs twenty two fifteen. Foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child, intertwined, interwoven, bound up, part of uh, uh, the heart of a child. That's a, it's a very tough thing to read, but we've got to understand that to understand where we're going. So there's this bent towards foolishness and then left to themselves, uh, to their own ways, if we're, giving, if we're giving our children only what they want and all that they want, they're going to get worse. It's not going to get better because their bent is towards foolishness. They're going to they're go more towards foolishness. Proverbs 20, 29, 15, a child who gets his own way brings shame to his mother. The idea is there not only shame in the immediate, in the behavior, but in the, the potential for long term as the child continues down that path and veers further and further from wisdom. Uh, there's, there's a sense of, of shame on the, on the family and, and lack of blessing on the person themselves. So there's some really tragic and important roadblocks to wisdom. If there's roadblocks, we have to understand how to get past that and how to move beyond that. So what is Proverbs' way to wisdom. I, I put up a portion of 22.15 a minute ago. Foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child. That verse goes on to say, the rod of discipline will remove it far from him. Now, hold off on reacting to the word rod for just a minute, okay? It's a controversial topic today, and we're going to talk about it. But understand the context of the verse, and what it's saying is that discipline will remove, discipline is an antidote to that foolishness that is bound up in the heart of the child. Proverbs' way to wisdom is through discipline. And as you look at the total witness of the Proverbs, there's, there's no getting around that. So, we need to look at discipline. And so, the foundation of Proverbs' way to wisdom, the foundation of discipline, begins with, in our age, in our context, faith in Christ, that relationship with him. Now, let's, let's talk about that for just a minute because there's a variety of people here. I don't know your background. I don't know your, your knowledge of the Word of God. Uh, but here at Grace, uh, we believe and teach that God's Word uh, does say what I said a minute ago, that we have this problem in each of us called sin. And uh, the, the, the most wonderful, most noble, most productive, most fruitful life imaginable, the, the hope for life eternal uh, is found in relationship with the Creator who created us. To know Him and to have Him in our lives is, is the greatest thing for abundant life in the present and certainly for eternal life with Him. But we can't have that relationship with Him because of this problem that we have called sin. There's a separation because He's perfect and we are absolutely not. There can't be relationship between the perfect and the imperfect. Our sin problem has to be solved. And all of our efforts to solve our sin problem on our own, to be good enough, to not be bad enough, to go to church. All of our efforts, the Bible says, our, our, our righteousness is like filthy rags. Our righteousness cannot attain to purification of ourselves sufficiently to be in relationship with our perfect God. We need a solution outside of ourselves. God sent His Son, Jesus, to come, to die on the cross, to die that death on our behalf so that the penalty of our sins would go on Him our sins could be forgiven, and, and we could have that forgiveness and that purification so that we could be in relationship with God, our Creator, by faith in what Christ did on the cross, by faith in what Christ did on the cross alone, not your own efforts, faith in what Christ did on the cross through His death and His resurrection, defeating death and hell, we can know that we can have relationship with the Father. We can know that we have eternal life. That's good news. We call it the gospel. That means good news. And the good news gets better in the fact 
that when we put our faith in Christ, God also promises he gives us the Holy Spirit. He gives us his own spirit to come, the spirit of Christ to come and live inside of us and enable us uh, to live the way that God wants us to live. So living the way God wants us to live is not our solution to getting to know him. Getting to know him through Christ, God provides the solution for us to live our lives the way that we want, that he wants us to live in obedience to Christ because of his Holy Spirit within us, because of his enabling. And that puts a whole new perspective on parenting. When the parent and the child are both in that vivid living relationship with Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit is in them, the parenting relationship becomes a very different thing because God's at work in there with you, fulfilling his promises. And then when you turn to his word for wisdom, and understanding, and you turn to his word for how to parent, and your child turns to his word for how to obey, uh, we have the Spirit inside of us enabling us. So where it all begins, that foundation of faith in Christ is all important. If you don't know about that, if that's new to you today, come talk to Guff, come talk to me, come talk to one of us. We want to we tell you more about that. We want to put you in that place of relationship with your Creator. Fantastic foundation. Another important foundation to parenting wisdom, uh, to the discipline uh, of parenting wisdom, is to parent on purpose. If you're a single parent with your caregivers, if you're married parents together as husband and wife, you need to, you need to learn what you can about discipline. You need to s- decide how this is going to play into your family dynamic and your relationship with your children. You need to agree <laughs> And you need to stick with it. We're going to talk a lot about consistency in these things. So that having that goal of wisdom and then deciding that you're going to pursue wisdom through discipline and then how you're going to do that, knowing that, deciding on it, and pursuing it consistently with all of the folks who are providing care uh, for your kids is, is extremely important uh, as a foundation for discipline. Then we look a little bit more into uh, di- discipline itself in the Proverbs because that's our source this morning, right? And I put some materials online for you. Uh, One of those is an Evangelical Theological Society journal article. And there's a whole lot more detail, a whole lot more uh, uh, breaking down of these ideas for you. Encourage you, especially if parenting is a big issue in your lives right now, or you're even just curious, go and look more in detail there and study there because there's some really great insight that we can't get totally into. But I, I kind of summarized that article's uh, uh, findings or teachings uh, in looking at discipline uh, and seeing that there, there are basically three stages, and I say intensifying stages, three facets, three interwoven, even interwoven aspects to discipline. Instruction or knowledge, that's found in the Word. Warning, exhortation, rebuke, that's correction, uh, maybe warning or correction uh, in a more proactive way in the life of our children. And then when there is a a, a continued unwillingness to follow the path of wisdom, then there are are consequences that come in the form of chastisement or, or punishment. So you can basically find those terms being referred to throughout the Proverbs uh, in terms of uh, describing discipline in the big sense, discipline in the big sense. So look at, just to see a little bit of that, Proverbs 1, 8 and 9, hear my son, your father's discipline, do not forsake your mother's instruction, for they are a graceful wreath upon your head and ornaments around your neck, the blessing of instruction, what, what, what a beautiful blessing instruction is. Uh, hear, O sons, the instruction of a father, and give attention that you may gain understanding, for I give you sound teaching, do not abandon my instruction. So there's the idea of instruction or wisdom from the Word of God uh, in terms of discipline and its impact on the child. Warning, exhortation, rebuke. Proverbs 3.12, a father corrects the son in whom he delights. We're going to pack this, unpack this a bit more in a minute, but when you delight in your children, you correct them. 
You provide correction. It's a sign of blessing. It's a sign of affection to correct your children. Biblically affirmed there. The, the, the Proverbs also offer correction and, 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 and uh, exhortation. Watch the path of your feet. Do not turn to the right or to the left. This is in the context of speaking of the father to his son. Watch the path of your feet. Don't turn off the path uh, that God has intended for you. Proverbs twenty four twenty five. But to those who rebuke the wicked will be delight, and a good blessing will come upon them. Now, talking about rebuking the wicked in regard to your children is, is kind of a tough terminology. But as we just saw, there is wickedness in the hearts of our children. There is something that, that needs to be corrected. And uh, when we rebuke that, we correct that. It's actually a delight and blessing upon them uh, for doing that. And then comes the chastening or the punishment. And here comes the rod word. We're going to hear a little bit more of that. We're going to talk about it. Uh, but to understanding that this is the point, uh, if these are progressive, if these are intensifying facets of discipline, uh, punishment comes in at a point when the correction is not working and uh, there need to be consequences. We're going to talk a whole lot more about this. But he who withholds the rod hates his son. What strong terminology. He who withholds the rod hates his child, but he who loves him will discipline him diligently. Proverbs 23, do not hold back discipline from the child. Although you strike him with the rod, he will not die. You shall rescue his soul from Sheol. We're going to talk again about the rod in a moment. But see the spiritual aspect of correction and discipline and, and even chastisement and punishment. There's a, there's, a, there's a spiritual aspect as the child progresses in their understanding of spiritual things, their understanding of wisdom. And then Proverbs 29, 15, the rod and reproof give wisdom but a child who gets his own way brings shame to his mother. There's the other half of the verse uh, that we looked at just a few minutes ago. So all of these things are present. And um, all of these levels include ongoing doses of the earlier levels. If you're parenting uh, uh, proactively and purposefully, uh, you, you, you build these, you build, you begin with instruction, you build on these things uh, toward correction and even toward chastisement when that is needed. So a little bit more about punishment because that's, uh, generally, the thing that folks kind of hang up on these days because of a lot of what uh, different forces and opinions in our society are saying. And let me begin there by saying this. Uh, in all of these things, in all facets of discipline, especially uh, when it gets to the stage of chastisement or punishment, love is the foundation. Now, Proverbs 3.12, I, sa- I showed you this part again a moment ago. A father corrects the son in whom he delights. The full verse is, for whom the Lord loves, he chastens, as a father corrects the son in whom he delights. See the, the love of God in there. Uh, love of the Father uh, has, been, has been visited upon us through Christ, what I, what I spoke of, and, and we need to be sure uh, that we are demonstrating that in the way that we love and the way that we discipline our children. God's done this for us first, and that's translated by the loving parent to the child, even, even in the context of discipline. But beyond that, I want to say this, parents. Your children should never, ever, ever doubt that you love them lavishly, unconditionally. That is without any aspect of favor based on their actions or their behaviors their choices, absolutely commit, uh, communicating significantly and consistently, consistently unconditional love for your child. 
not based on performance. So much of the way we parent, so much of the way we communicate with our children communicates a conditionality of our favor towards them in a way that I don't think we even necessarily intend. You have to be proactive and personal, or purposeful to overcome that natural tendency to communicate in the sort of performance-oriented way. Early on in our parenting with our kids, uh, our oldest, the one who's now 18, uh, was a little child, and she brought to me some something, some paper from school that had an A on it, something she had done really well, and she brought it to me to, to see how proud I was of her. And, I, you know, God just, I just think, Jeannie's here this morning, we, so many times that God just gave us little sparks of wisdom in the moment to know how to respond to something, and those things became things that He used significantly in our children's lives. Uh, it hit me as I was praising her for this good grade. Uh, Probably at that stage it was a star or something. It wasn't even an A. It was, this is re- she was really, really young. And, and I, it hit me that as I was praising that, I was praising her performance. And I just thought, just a moment, I guess, of inspiration for the Lord. That's really not what I want to do. I said, I said, honey, let me say something to you. This is wonderful. And I am so proud of you. But you know what? If this had been a, an F or whatever the equivalent, you know, if this had been a bad grade, Daddy would still love you. I'm never going to stop loving you regardless of how you perform. And that became kind of a way of talking with our children as each one grew up and these kind of moments would come along. We would take that opportunity. Uh, Sadly, we probably don't do it often enough anymore. We would take that opportunity to say, that's wonderful. That's wonderful, Uh, honey. That's that's so wonderful. But you know what? Uh, Even if if, uh, you hadn't done so well. And I think the pinnacle moment, one of the pinnacle moments of, of fatherhood came for me when she said, I know, Daddy, you would still love me. And I thought, wow, okay, she gets it. <laughs> she gets it. She's secure in that. And we, could, we continued it on, you know, and it got to where they would fill in the blank for us. But just finding ways to, to, to consistently and significantly and readily and often communicate to your child, that love that you have for them is unconditional. It's a foundation. It's a security for them. They need it, and it, and it informs, and it underscores, and it colors everything else that we're talking about in terms of discipline. Another important idea is that discipline, be, uh, discipline, and we get into chastisement, that it be consequential. Okay, I chose that word carefully because we're going to talk about consequences in just a second. But consequential, the idea in the English language is it has strength, it has impact. I wanted to say it has teeth, but I would sound like I'm in advocating biting our children. And I'm not saying that, but it needs to have that, that strength of, of impact on the child so that it makes an impression. So you, when you think about punishment, it, regardless of what your view is on corporal punishment, spanking, not spanking, punishment needs to have consequence. It needs to be consequential, needs to have impact, and it needs to have consequences. It needs to be related. The consequences need to be related to whatever the offense was, whatever is, uh, the punishment is being applied for. And with regard to consequences, there are natural consequences and there are created consequences. Sometimes our challenge as parents is simply to hold back and not interfere with the natural consequences, but to let our child go ahead and encounter the natural consequences because they're great teachers. If they're not injurious to the child, if they're not you know, somehow going to cause them severe harm, uh, letting the natural consequences take place is a wonderful way to apply appropriate consequences to an action that the child has taken. But sometimes that doesn't work and we need to create consequences. We need to enhance the consequences. And oftentimes that comes into play with chastisement or with punishment. And this is something that um, I, I want to give credit to my wife for in some of the conversations that we had leading up to this because I am so grateful to God that I married the woman 
that I married and in partnering with her in parenting our children because she is creative and she, she studies things and she remembers them and helps me to remember them and implying, applying them in our children's lives. And uh, something that she said, we were talking about this a week or so ago, was just remember to talk about matching, not only matching the offense with the consequences, oftentimes try to relate the punishment to the, to the offense in some way, uh, but also to match the child, to think about their personality, uh, their uniqueness. And uh, not all, um, you know, this kind of thing is not a one-size-fits-all uh, uh, action with regard to your children. One of ours is very, very, very compliant. And the cross look, the angry look from our eyes to this child, they would melt. And it was wonderful because we didn't really have to employ more severe means of correction and more severe means of chastisement because we would just glare and down she went. You know, she, she got it. She, would, she was responsive uh, uh, to, to that. Her heart was so responsive and so compliant. Another of ours uh, was social, uh, extremely much more social than the others, and, and uh, tended to use pouting as a means of punishing us. If you know what I mean, I see some parents laughing and nodding. You know, that using, you know, using the pout to, to t- try to manipulate us, and my wife was very attuned to that, and um, she realized that it's one of the most effective things that she could do with this child was say, uh, go t- go to the giraffe chair. Now, that takes some explanation. There was a chair we were given that was really just straight wood. It was very uncomfortable. It was cute, and we, we really are sad about the way that we treated this gift from a relative and made it a punishment chair. But anyway, <laughs> but there's this really uncomfortable giraffe chair sitting in the corner of, of the room where all the toys are laid out and sitting in the draft chair, they couldn't be played with. Sitting in the draft chair, the child couldn't be social. And so going to the chair and saying, come out when you're ready to quit pouting and you're ready to be a, a happy part of this family again was very effective. In a very short time, sitting in the draft chair a couple of times, it was all over and done with, and that threat, you know, was enough. So you've got to think about the child, think about the circumstances. Um, some children take more effort and creativity. Sometimes there's, you know, kind of a, a nuclear option of the favorite stuffed toy and uh, threatening the removal of that stuffed toy because of an offensive behavior. In our world, the offensive behavior was lying, and in a moment of frustration, that was threatened, the removal of the favorite stuffed toy forever. You'll never see the toy again. And fortunately, it worked, because we're not sure we were ready to enforce that consequence, but, but it worked. It was a severe consequence in the child's mind. I love this. I heard this week about, it's called nasty juice, and this particular child's um, offense had to do with sins of the mouth, smarting off and, and, you know, lying and different things. And the parent found out that um, a little bit of vinegar and water mixed together in a spray bottle and applied to the tongue was absolutely abhorrent to this child. And nasty juice became <laughs> just the nastiest thing imaginable. It became a very effective uh, 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 consequence uh, in the child's life uh, to, to, correct, uh, to correct those behaviors of the mouth. Um, teens, you know, things need to become more, more creative. We've discovered with our teens that um, uh, sleep is a very important commodity. And uh, if they don't have time to do something uh, uh, during the, the day, oh, I was too busy to do that, I'm so sorry. Well, clicking on the light at 5.30 the next morning and saying, now you've got time. It's a great, it's a great way to address a, a need in their lives, a particular stage of life, the particular personalities. So uh, uh, with regard to non-corporal punishment, creative means of applying consequences. Uh, Keep in mind, match the offense, match the child, but be consistent, 
Be consistent. Be consistent. If I don't say that enough this morning, consistency is a huge factor. Be creative. Then comes corporal punishment. The idea of spanking. Uh, uh, what we think is the most popular proverb on this is spare the rod and spoil the child, which is not in Proverbs. I tricked you. It's actually not there. And I found that out when I was preparing for the sermon. I thought it was in Proverbs. What actually is, is he who withholds his rod hates his son. We saw that just a moment ago. But he who loves his son, he who loves his child, disciplines them uh, diligently. Uh, it's there, y'all, okay? It's there, in, it's there in the book of Proverbs. We're looking to the book of Proverbs for wisdom. And I did a lot of study. You know, the Hebrew words, there's about two Hebrew words for rod. I looked into it very carefully, very diligently, and found out the meaning of those two words is rod, Okay, there's no, there's no other, you know, you can't like twist the interpretation. Uh, it's, it's interpreted variously in various contexts, warfare or, or civic punishment, but it's, 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 a, it's an external means of applying pain. And it was very prominent in the thinking of the ancient Near Eastern world where we're drawing the Proverbs from. Here's Egyptian. Boys have their ears in their backsides. They listen when they are beaten. That was the Egyptian perspective on corporal punishment. Okay, it's there. Uh, it's, it's, it's in God's Word. I think some errors come into play with regard to this when, when one says it's there, therefore we must do it all the time or we must you know, apply it constantly. I, I've spoken already about uh, a child who rarely, if ever, needed that because of their, of their compliance and their responsiveness. So, kind of the, again, the one-size-fits-all one approach isn't, um, uh, isn't, isn't applicable here. What I do want to say is a couple of things to parents who do and parents who don't. Parents on both sides of the view of this. You know, is the rod absolutely necessary or is the rod absolutely evil? No. <laughs> not absolutely necessary, not absolutely evil. I know very well-rounded kids who were not spanked, uh, who've grown into very well-rounded adults. I know many who were. The main issue, I think, in, in, is, is discipline and, and correction and consistency in that. Just keep in mind with regard to spanking, and there's more online. I encourage you back to those online resources, more than I can say here today. But spanking should be extremely limited. Things like willful rebellion, physical harm to another person, willful deception. Why is willfulness so important there? Well, you know, willfulness can be danger to your child. If they're, if they're uh, uh, disobeying your instruction or your warning in regard to picking the cat up by the scruff of the neck or something, it can be kind of cute or whatever. But if their pattern is to reject your, your warning and to, and to willfully do the opposite, what happens when the instruction comes into them approaching the busy street and the car is coming and you say stop and their pattern is willful rejection of what you say, your child is in danger. They need to hear your instruction and, and heed it and, and understand uh, uh, that, that they need to stick to it because your words are life to them. And so when there's willful rejection of your word, then that's a time where a more se- serious form uh, needs to come into to play. And many, many parents choose um, that that would be spanking. Never, ever in anger. Never, ever in public where you're humiliating the child. You have choices to make. If, you're, if you believe in spanking, I think you should study it and you should be very careful and thoughtful in your application of it. For those who don't spank, I want to exhort you that you ensure that your chosen alternative form uh, is profound, consequential, attention-getting, beyond your ordinary forms of warning. You know, when a parent is caught in warning, 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 and then giving in, uh, they're, they're stuck in that warning. They haven't been applying 
They haven't been applying consequences, uh, punishment, chastisement, and and the child doesn't take them seriously anymore. If you're you're caught in a warning cycle, uh, you need to implement uh, forms of discipline that have uh, consequences and are consequential, clearly connected to the circumstances. And I I would say this, I think too many families who reject corporal punishment altogether tend to reject discipline altogether. And I exhort you not to reject discipline altogether. It's not in the child's best interest. So look for those creative ways to, to employ uh, discipline in the ways that we've, we've been talking about. I need to race to the finish here. We're going to go a little long again. Y'all, I'm sorry, so much to cover and it's so important. Uh, so cultivating wisdom with discipline. How do we do it? We're starting into the application time here. You, first, your, ch- your child's faith in Christ, your faith in Christ, as I've said, is so important. You need the Holy Spirit at work in those relationships with you. Grace and discipline. Now, Old Testament Proverbs was not written in our church era, not written under the enlightenment of the, of the writings of Paul and our understanding of grace, uh, the grace of God like illustrated through the, the prodigal son and the father who ran up the road to, to meet his wayward son and welcome him back and restore him. That's grace. That father lavished grace upon the wayward son. So grace is an incredibly important factor in parenting. Grace is portrayed as our, by our heavenly father upon us. It should profoundly influence our parenting. It should influence our discipline. Study God's grace. Bask in God's grace. Bathe in God's grace. Ask for application from God how to apply grace. You know, one of our children's moment of salvation, their moment of faith in Christ came following discipline, and it came because of a discussion of grace in the context of that disciplinary moment. Our church is going to help you out. Grace-based parenting is going to be part of Bible studies at both Anderson and Southwood uh, this fall, and then we're going to be offering later as the resources come available on the web and other resources through the children's ministry, Parenting with Grace, tools to help you understand uh, and communicate grace in the context of your parenting discipline and grace. And then some pointers from parents, just kind of winding it up here. I asked a few of our parents that I've known for years just to give me some thoughts from them. So ponder these for just a few minutes with me. People are more important than things. We buy memories, not stuff. So notice the emphasis not on material things, but on the the time spent together. We discipline quickly. We forgive immediately. When asked, there's no keeping accounts. We strive to parent first from the positive. In other words, instead of emphasizing our opposition to negative behavior, we talk and train proactively toward the positive behavior that we desire to see in our children. You can't do this reactively. You've got to be proactive. We've talked about that. We even keep a list on the fridge that reminds us of the positives which counteract the negatives. Single most important thing, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, we're going to go to fathers in just a second, just in the interest of time. There, this is from a, a, a pair of parents that I have known since I was a kid, and they were parenting my friends. And some of their kids are now adults here at Grace Among You, and they're raising kids. And I've seen the children and the grandchildren and the great-grandchildren of this couple, and this was their insight. There are, of course, many factors that contribute to good parenting, such as conveying unconditional love, providing quality time, and setting a good example, particularly in the husband-wife relationship. One of the most important is to establish and maintain control. The final analysis, that's achieved through discipline. It's clearly taught in the Proverbs. I didn't pay them to write this this way. This was, these were their own thoughts. We have found that authority must be established early, preferably before the child is five. However, it will continue through the early years of childhood. Proverbs 19 clearly implies that such discipline should not be delayed. 
Although the discipline may be difficult for both the child and the parent, the rewards are great. Proverb states that failure to train the child could result in premature death. More generally, discipline will result in comfort, rest, delight to your soul, as well as joy and pleasure. God's graciously blessed us through our children, and God's blessed this church through their children. There's some parenting wisdom from some folks who are way further down the road than most of us and have done it well. So what do we do with all this as we, as we kind of wrap up and apply this to ourselves? First, I want to say, pray. Uh, the book of Proverbs is evidence that God answers the prayer for wisdom, right? Solomon prayed for wisdom. God gave it. We have the book of Proverbs to study this morning because of what God gave. He answers the prayer for wisdom. As parents, as encouragers of parents, uh, whatever your role is, pray. I got a note from a mom who was present in the first uh, service, and she, she asked me to point out, I looked at it briefly, momsinprayer.org. Momsinprayer.org is a nationwide network of moms who gather together and pray for schools. There's a local chapter. There are going to be some meetings this week. Uh, you can find that on the website. Pray. Prayer is so crucial, so important. Begin today. Lavish unconditional love. I talked about that. Just one more word, dads. So often we dads tend to let mom be in the front seat of parenting and, and we tend to, to lay back and not be engaged. I just want to say, as I've observed in our church life, in our society through the years that I've spent in ministry, more and more and more I am convinced that uh, a lot of the besetting problems on our young adults, both male and female, myriads of issues that young people, young adults are struggling with can be traced back so often to the level of engagement of the father in the home. If you're a dad and you are engaged and you are able to have a relationship with your children, you're engaged in a relationship, be engaged. Be an active, proactive, unified part of, of discipline and parenting. Let your children know that unconditional love. Be vitally, vitally involved. It's a blessing to them. It's a blessing to you. But unconditional love across the board begin today. Agree soon. You who are a, a, a caregiver of children and the people in relationship with you in community and in uh, daycare, uh, in the home, relatives, figure this out. Decide on your goals. Decide on your standards. And then keep going. Consistency with kids is security to our kids. Consistency in these things is security for them. Consistency is blessing for them. Uh, of both love and discipline. Inconsistency is confusing and it's upheaval. Decide, get after it, keep going. If you've had some past mistakes, we all have, okay? This is just a reminder. I had a number of people from last week express thanks for this moment, okay? Because if you've been sitting and listening to this and you're feeling a sense of conviction, it's a great opportunity to say, I'm going to lock arms with my church body and we're going to do something different from this day forward. And one of the best ways to start is with your kids, it's a great moment to, to illustrate, to, to live out the idea of forgiveness, asking forgiveness, giving forgiveness. We've, we've asked our children from a very young age not to just say, when they've offended a, usually a sibling, not to just say, I'm sorry, and, and kind of that be it, but to get with the offended party and look the offended party in the eye and say, I wronged you. Will you please forgive me? And wait for that person, offended person, to respond, yes, I forgive you. It's a profound lesson every time you do it. If you're college roommates, if you're in any kind of relationship with anybody, it's a great way to practice. Uh, but it's a great moment for you as a parent. If there have been parenting uh, mistakes, things you've struggled with, to go to your children in that attitude and teach them 
how to ask forgiveness, how to extend forgiveness. And then begin to talk about discipline in the home, new norm, work together with those who are involved in parenting with you, and do one through four above. Kids, work with us. There's blessing for you when you pursue the path of wisdom as set forth by your parents. He who curses his father or mother, his lamp will go out in time of darkness. That's kind of a negative view of the thing. And there's about two things that that can mean. You know, you're either going to be in a very dark place in life or it it could be even, you know, premature death, as, as was said in the quote. It's a very, very serious thing to bless your parents and to follow them and to not curse them. Proverbs 2, 4, and 5, if you seek wisdom as silver and search for her as hidden treasures, you will discern the fear of the Lord and discover the knowledge of God. Blessing for you. And then Ephesians 6, classic. Children, obey your parents and the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment, with a promise. What's the promise? That it may be well with you, that you may live long on the earth. Cooperating with your parents in, in being responsive to, to teaching wisdom in your home and following the way of wisdom is a blessing to you as well as a blessing to your parents. So work with us. And then finally, parenting is not for lone rangers. Parenting is not for mavericks. Parenting in community is essential. There are many, many community opportunities for us here at Grace, at Grace Southwood. And I was really encouraged when I looked up this morning and in, in Guff's announcement and also on the slides, the announcement about the Home Builders class. Jeannie and I got a lot of our uh, pointers. There's others I know in here who are part of a Home Builders ministry where uh, we, we were together and we were sharing wisdom, we were sharing advice. When you are sharing in Christian community as parents, it makes the, the, it makes the journey a lot more pleasant, <laughs> a lot more uh, fruitful, a lot more effective. So look at our small group options and get engaged. Get involved in community, especially uh, if you're new to all this. That Home Builders class is a great, um, is a great opportunity for you. We're way over. I'm, I'm, I'd, I'd love to give us a minute to respond. You want to come on up, Jason? Just, just uh, uh, if you need to go, you're more than welcome to. Let me lead us in prayer. We're going to have a time of response and worship, uh, and, then, and then we'll go. Father, as we began with, um, just uh, want to express on behalf of all of us, again, our need for you in these matters. And we've just explored what your word has to say, and we've explored how important um, it is to the next generation uh, that we parent well and that we parent toward wisdom. And so I pray for those gathered here in each of the uh, bodies gathered together when we've studied this together that we would um, unify ourselves uh, for the sake of our children, for the sake of our uh, friends of our children, for the sake of the next generation, that as a church we would be known as parents who love our children well and unconditionally, who demonstrate grace and who are consistent in the discipline of a loving, loving parent, and that you would bless uh, this next generation, not that we would be blessed, but so that this community and this world would be impacted for your grace and your glory uh, through these children. So we commit ourselves to this, God, and we ask for your help in Jesus' name. Thanks, Jason.